Well, it's a new year, and oftentimes, if you're one of those people who has the odd cigarette, or maybe you smoke all the time, maybe it's time uh, your New Year's resolution is to try to quit once again. You know, only about 10% of Canadians smoke regularly now. That's way down. Um, in general, anti-smoking efforts have been really successful in this country. Uh, it's been curbed by a huge percentage in a relatively short period of time. If you think about it, New Zealand has been the same. They've sort of followed a similar path to Canada. We've very much been in lockstep when it comes to a lot of the regulations that we've passed over time uh, at the same time. But this year around, uh, this time around, New Zealand has jumped out ahead and um, passed some really strict anti-smoking legislation uh, that will ban anyone born since 2009 from buying cigarettes ever. With each passing year, the legal smoking age will rise by exactly one year, meaning that in as short a time as one generation and as older smokers leave us, there will theoretically be no smokers left in New Zealand. It is quite the legislation. Here is their health minister, Dr. Aisha Varal, speaking about the legislation. We know the majority of smokers want to quit, but they can struggle to do so on their own. This plan builds on the good work of quit programs by drastically reducing the availability of cigarettes, by making them less addictive, and by introducing a smoke-free generation, which will mean that no one aged older than 14 at the time the planned legislation comes into force will ever be able to legally purchase cigarettes. These are world-leading measures which will put us on track to achieve New Zealand's long-standing goal of being smoke-free by 2025. Studies have shown that dramatically reducing nicotine levels in cigarettes makes it far easier for people to quit. So the action plan will see New Zealand transition to low nicotine cigarettes. This is a major change, but it is based on clinical research. And it is realistic because with vapes widely available, there is a far less harmful option available for smokers who are addicted to nicotine. Dr. Aisha Viral there of New Zealand, New Zealand's health minister, talking about these new tobacco regulations. Of course, the big one is that progressive ban, right? That after a certain age, uh, if you're born after a certain year, you'll never be able to legally buy tobacco in New Zealand. It is, as my next guest says, a game changer. Joshua Nelman has written extensively about uh, tobacco legislation in this country. He's also a author of the book called Firebrand, A Tobacco Lawyer's Journey, which really looks right into big tobacco through the eyes of an attorney who works for those companies. And he joins me now. Thank you so much for your time. Thanks for having me on the show, Ben. I know, you know, New Year's, people talk a lot about, uh, we seem to talk a lot more about smoking around the New Year for obvious reasons. People who still smoke occasionally or regularly may want to look at making that their New Year's resolution. Some really interesting legislation coming out of New Zealand, though, when it comes to the overall non-smoking or or anti-smoking push. Uh, what is the government proposing? How would it work? Yes, yeah, so New Zealand and Canada have sort of been on par in terms of their anti-smoking strategies over the last number of decades. and. Uh, both countries have had amazing results in terms of, of pushing their smoking percentage rate down in terms of population from about uh, over 50% to close to 10%, uh, a dramatic drop over the decades, of course. But New Zealand has just done something which is unique in the world, which is they're introducing a, a new age-based requirement, uh, which essentially says that anyone born after January 1st, 2009 will never reach the legal age, which allows them to buy a pack of cigarettes. 
So in other words, they've put a cap on smokers in their country. And what they're hoping to do is actually break the generational passing of this habit from one generation to another. They're trying to butt it out in its totality. So in other words, if you're born after 2009, you will never be able to legally buy a pack of cigarettes in New Zealand. It it, it sounds like a really interesting idea. There must be challenges. I mean, there must be, you can already think of some of the issues of people who would move there. What does it apply to tourists? Um, uh, can, it, can it be challenged by someone who thinks it's unconstitutional? I mean, it feels like it's going to run into some roadblocks, but it is, sounds like a really interesting initiative. Yeah, I think that this is one of those laws which every country in the world, especially countries like Canada, which have worked so hard on their um, anti-smoking strategies, will be watching so closely to see how it goes. And as you pointed out, you can think of a number of issues immediately that come to mind. For example, you know, if you were immigrating to New Zealand and you happen to smoke and were born uh, after 2009, what happens? I mean, will they tell you, welcome to New Zealand, but you're going to have to quit smoking when you move here? Or for example, the tourist economy, if you're somebody who's going to New Zealand to have a good time, is there going to be someone who tells you, sorry, you're just not allowed to smoke here? Yeah, I guess the real challenge here, and you've pointed this out in, in a lot of your writing, is that even in Canada and in New Zealand, very similarly, we're down to the 10%, more or less. And this is that attempt to to get it down closer to zero, right? To try and get rid of that 10%. What's the logic then behind a ban? I mean, I know Canada's tried many different ways to get uh, to cut smoking rates and has been very successful at it. Uh, do you think the ban, I mean, the, the ban clearly would work in the long run, uh, but that is that what it is that we've simply run out of ways of trying to get that last 10% to quit? Well, I think it actually speaks to the um, interesting kind of, I guess, paradox is what I call it, a firebrand of, of, of where we are in terms of, of Western countries that have been really aggressive in terms of anti-smoking strategies, which is that, you know, this particular product is so pleasurable and it's so pervasive that no matter the intensity of the anti-smoking strategy or campaign, doesn't matter how many no smoking signs you put up there's always seems to be a segment of the population that will cling to smoking. And uh, so far, no strategy has been able to, you know, push that, that last 10%, last 13, 10% to quit. So this is why, you know, New Zealand's approach is sort of revolutionary. It's special on the global scene and, and why everybody will be watching to figure out if it works. You know, you'd you'd mentioned challenges. And of course, the other big challenge there is financial, which is that, you know, as in Canada, you know, there's a huge amount of money that uh, flows into both Canada and, and the New Zealand government's coffers from the taxes on cigarette sales. Yeah. Uh, so... There's an irony, an irony there, isn't it? I mean, we spend a lot of money trying to get people to stop smoking at the same time. Uh, you pointed out, I think it's 1% of government revenue still comes from the sale of cigarettes. Some estimates in Canada put it that high, uh, about $8 billion. That's um, huge. Yes. And in New Zealand, a slightly smaller population, $2 billion. Still, you know, no small change. And so, you know, that's another part of, of, I guess, how they're hoping this will work, which is with that January 2009 cutoff, there are still smokers in the country who are buying cigarettes. They're just older. This approach allows New Zealand to, like an addict, wean itself off 
of uh, you know those precious tobacco taxes. Uh, right. So it's not it's not quitting cold turkey. You know, uh, presumably as as those smokers die off, those tax revenues will shrink until at some point in you know a few decades uh, there will be theoretically no smokers left in New Zealand and no tax revenue from cigarettes. You pointed out as well, though, that that will probably lead to uh, where there's where there is demand, there will always be supply. I mean, New Zealand is far more remote than Canada is, uh, but smuggling must be a consideration here too. So there'll have to be a whole bunch of different policies put in place to try to counteract the impact of that kind of a ban. I think that's the other area that everyone will be watching very closely is that already there's a huge black market in cigarettes and tobacco, you know, in Canada and across the world. And so when you have a situation where a government is actually trying to stamp out the sale of cigarettes completely, what do we think will happen? I mean, it seems pretty obvious that uh, there'll be some entrepreneurial pirates who will come in and, you know, try to... Uh, evade the system and and supply smokers with product. And I guess we'll see, you know, whether New Zealand is able to combat that and how successful they are at that. But I'd say it's an uh, it's an uphill battle for them. Joshua, in your book, you point out a really interesting thing that I don't think people often think about, that despite the restrictions, the many restrictions that we all know well, if you've ever tried to buy a pack of cigarettes, they're now hidden. There's no packaging. There's no advertising. You're not allowed to have different kinds of brands, really, or, or different kinds of sorts of cigarettes. In some ways, this has created an even more profitable environment for the tobacco companies because they have no competition. They don't need to spend much money, and they still have a monopoly on the product. Yes, it's it's remarkable how um, these multinational tobacco companies have managed to uh, continually and very cleverly pivot around the barrage of anti-smoking laws, regulations, strategies that have been deployed uh, with increasing intensity by Western countries and by most countries in the world now to some degree. And that's actually sort of, you know, what Firebrand the book is about, which is it's it's essentially the story told through the eyes of a lawyer who travels the world working for some of the largest companies and manufacturers of cigarettes. It's it's really a story of, you know, how these companies have managed to continually pivot and increase profits. Uh, I mean, we use the word the word pivot all the time, but you know, when you think about a product that uh, in 1964, the U.S. Surgeon General came out and said, uh, you know, there's a link between this product and lung cancer. Uh, it's poisonous. Most consumer products would have been cleared off the shelf. But we're looking at a situation where, of course, you can still buy cigarettes within five minutes of wherever you are, anywhere in the, like, in the globe. Uh, 60, years so, later, 60 years later. 60 years later. 60 years <laughs> later. So these companies have, have been doing something that I don't think any other manufacturer of a consumer product uh, has had to contend with this sort of a threat to their core product. So it's just amazing that we're sitting here in 2022 talking about the fact that, you know, there are now more smokers on the planet, 1 billion, than ever before in human history. Amazing, um, eh? 2023, we just hit 2023. 59 years, 59 years. still stuck in last year. That's it's right. remarkable. That's um, right. now, now, there are lawsuits, though. In Canada, there's been a big uh, attempt to try to recoup some of the health costs, uh, both in, from individuals, some of the uh, health costs, and from provinces, from tobacco companies. Where is that at? That seems to have been a, a 
successful strategy. I mean, the courts have certainly backed uh, those lawsuits against Big Tobacco. Yeah, I, we're also in a unique situation in Canada, um, as uh, I, I think as as the listeners may know. Obviously, with the no smoking law in New Zealand, that puts them at the front of the pack in terms of anti-tobacco strategies. But Canada is right up there as a leader as well, and we've really been at the forefront of um, of our anti-tobacco strategies over the last uh, four decades. So where we are now is that. It, is that essentially um, over the last 20 years, there have been a number of different lawsuits aimed at the multinationals operating in Canada, and there have been some victories there. Uh, uh, And the victories have been so substantial, those companies are looking at claims of in excess of $500 billion to recoup healthcare costs on behalf of the provinces and on behalf of a group of Quebec smokers who also filed a lawsuit and won. So we're at a sort of a paused moment where basically the multinationals sought creditor protection, which they received, and they're now in dialogue with the governments to figure out how to resolve this $500 billion question mark. And no one knows where that will lead. As far as I know, this has never occurred anywhere else on the planet either. So New Zealand's got their special scenario, uh, and we've got ours try to recoup that money, right, of course. And and you mentioned that they're in negotiations. Now, I guess the fear is always that if you if you, if you you make cigarettes too hard to get, then there becomes a black market, right? That's always been sort of the back and forth. We saw that in Quebec in the 90s when um, they, they hiked prices, then they had to drop prices back down. Uh, this has been a long and slow process. I guess that's what makes the New Zealand incremental approach so interesting is that it does take into consideration the fact that there is a whole ecosystem around the sale and consumption of cigarettes that exists, and you have to tread step by step to make it go away. It does allow them, again, uh, like a recovering addict, you know, to wean themselves off of cigarettes and 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 the, and the money that cigarettes generate uh, for the economy. I think it's really interesting, though, that no matter the strategy that any country has deployed, you know, against the use of tobacco, there is, uh, you know, really uh, no major Western country that has ever taken the step of simply making cigarettes illegal. Um, so that that tells you something. There's there is a fear about what would happen to the, the, the percentage of the population in any given country that smokes were, were this product to suddenly be denied. That's the power of cigarettes, the pleasure that this product gives. And of course, lest we not forget, you know, this is a very powerful drug. Indeed. I guess Bhutan is the only place that uh, that banned them. And that's that's age old, right? That's uh... Yes. And they are, you know, a very unique situation. Indeed. They're a small country in the Himalayas, and, and they've had anti-smoking laws going back to the 1700s. So they took a stand very early on as tobacco was spreading across Europe. But there's no other country in that category. Certainly not any major Western democratic country. Until now, I suppose New Zealand can add itself to that list. And I guess other countries will be watching to see if they want to follow suit. We're all going to be watching to see how this situation works out. And uh, I, I think there are going to be some surprises ahead. Joshua Nelman, thank you so much. Ben, thanks so much for the conversation. Happy New Year.